0: Let's make the most of this beautiful day since we're together we might as well say Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hello neighbors. How y'all doing today? Come on. I tried to zip this thing, but the zipper just wasn't working. It's difficult, so difficult, my goodness. Man, let me tell you, after trying that about 8,000 times, I got a lot more respect for the man, Fred Rogers, okay? (laughs) The guy is a legend. I mean, this is not an easy thing to pull off. I practiced so many times in that there hallway right over there, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this today. It's gonna be difficult, all right? Anyway, let me see if I can get this thing up. Maybe, maybe, no? Praise God, there it is, okay. All right, hopefully we're looking all right today. Okay, okay. Uh, how many of y'all have seen an episode of Mr. Rogers? Or you watched it growing up? Okay, show of hands. A lot of people in here love the show. Okay, it was a great uh, show. I absolutely loved it myself too. Maybe you're too young. How many of you have never seen Mr. Rogers? I know some people on the front row for sure. Any of the students in here? Okay, a few people there like, I don't know who this dude is, okay? Um, but it was a world famous children's television program put on by the man, the myth, the legend, Fred Rogers himself. Okay, Mr. Rogers. And it ran for over 30 years beginning in 1968. And what was so powerful about this kid's show is that Mr. Rogers had an uncanny ability to do one thing and that was to connect with every single child that he came across, right? He knew how to connect with children. He wasn't loud, he said it right there in that video. He wasn't loud, he didn't need a costume, right? The puppets were fun, but he didn't even really need the puppets. He didn't need, he wasn't young, right? He started when he was actually, I believe, in his late 30s and his 40s, all right? So it's not some young, necessarily charismatic man. He was very quiet, actually but he was simply a man that was led by love for people, specifically love for children and to see them flourish and to grow into great human beings. And uh, many people don't know this about Fred Rogers, but he actually graduated from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary uh, with a bachelor's degree in divinity in 1962. And he became a Presbyterian minister in 1963. And then he then attended the University of Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Child Development after that. So you have to picture this guy, right, who just, he's a minister, he has the heart of a pastor, he's a minister, but he also has this, this love for child development, to see kids grow into everything that God has them to be. And they ended up partnering with a child psychologist named Margaret, uh, which is another character in a show I'll talk about in just a moment. But uh, Margaret and they worked together on this show for over over 30 years. And it was an amazing show. And he won numerous awards throughout his lifetime, not just for the show, but for many humanitarian efforts that he did even spoke before Congress at one point. Uh, And he's one of the greatest influencers of children's programming today. Now, any of you parents out there, you probably know where I might be going with this, but my son, who's three years old, loves the show that is based off of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Do you know what the show is? It is called Daniel Tiger, okay? He loves Daniel Tiger. We watch Daniel Tiger almost daily and let me tell you how our mornings go around the Ashley household, okay? So uh, at about 7.30 a.m., uh, his his little night light will change from one color into yellow which means, hey, it's time. You can get out of bed now. Come on out. If you're already awake, he'll see the, the light change and he says, hey, I can get out of bed. Prompt at 7.30 every single morning. Uh, I'm usually awake by this point and so I'll hear a little you know, hop out of bed and then across the stairs, you know, across the the, above me and me and Lindsay are downstairs. And so then I'll hear him kind of slowly come down the stairs, you know, and I'll walk out and he's kind of rubbing his eyes. When he comes down, he'll stop at the edge of the stairs, holding the railing and just say, Hey, Daddy, you know And I'm like, "Hey, buddy, and he comes down, and I'll, sometimes I'll already have Daniel Tiger ready to go, right? I already got it on the TV, and we swipe and he tells me what episode he wants to watch that morning, all right? And then I will get breakfast going for the family, because listen, how many of you are morning people? Let me see if you're a morning person, raise your hand. How many of you How many of you are not a morning person and you hate everybody that just raised their hand? My wife is in the back. She's raising her hand, Lindsay. Listen, she is not a morning person, and, and we know this, all right? You don't want to talk to Lindsay before uh, 8.30, 9 a.m., all right? There's a few people I know. You got to get your coffee. You got to wake up. It takes some time, all right, to deal with people, all right? I am a morning person, though, I love hanging out in the mornings. It's a fun thing for me. So my primary role as a dad, uh, everything that I do hinges on the hour between 7.30 and 8.30 a.m., all right? And if I nail that one hour as a dad every morning, then usually Lindsay is gonna give me a good time for the rest of the day, I'm good, I've done everything that I need to for the day. Uh, I make breakfast, we hang out, me and Oakland have a great time. Uh, And we love the show, Daniel Tiger's a great show, why? Um, Because it teaches him great principles about getting along with others, about having fun, trying new things, making mistakes, believing you're big enough, you're big enough, you're big enough to think of what to do. And there's songs, there's so many songs that get stuck in my head. I'm telling you, the songs are so, so hard to get out of your head. Even preparing for this, this, the Daniel Tiger song is so different and I sing it all the time at the house. I had to get that song out of my head so that I could get the original song down for this, right? and, and they talk about even some really tough topics and how to deal with hard times and difficult seasons of life. And I'd say I love the show, but there's one thing that is incredibly frustrating about Daniel Tiger. It's a very incredibly frustrating thing. And it is that his parents are perfect. They are perfect. It's so annoying, okay? If you've seen Daniel Tiger, you know what I'm talking about. They never do anything wrong ever. You know what I mean? Like, these parents are absolute legends. He's going through the hardest of times. And like, you know, Daniel Tiger, I think there was one episode where she said, you know, you can play with the sand or something like that. And he pours this big bucket of sand in and him. And, and uh, I can't, oh, the owl or one of them is pouring all this stuff in the, in the house. And she comes in and she's like very frustrated. And then she says, she had, sings this little song and counts down uh, four, three, two, one, right? And then she's totally fine. Like she's just completely okay now. I'm like, oh, I'm so much better now that I've counted to four. It's like, no, that's not how it works. I'm angry. Pick it up and go to your room. You know <laughs> like? And it just makes me feel bad sometimes. But you know what? I, I'm not gonna be ashamed in saying, I have honestly learned some parenting techniques from Daniel Tiger. It is incredible some of the things that you can learn from watching some of these kids shows. No shame at all. And um, you know, I love Fred Rogers and I love the show. Uh, of course, Daniel Tiger was based off of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And, and he had this quote in this video, but I'm gonna say it again because it's it's what we're talking about today. He says, love is at the root of everything all learning, all relationships, love, or the lack of it. The greatest thing we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving from Mr. Fred Rogers. So uh, you know what? It wouldn't be a sermon if we didn't get some Bible in here. I know Fred Rogers is basically like there's Jesus and then Fred Rogers, right? Okay, but we're gonna read some Bible today. If you turn in your Bibles or on your phone, uh, pull up Luke chapter 10, and we're gonna be starting in verse 25, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and we're gonna go through the passage and you'll know this passage as the Good Samaritan, okay? The Good Samaritan. Start in verse 25 on one occasion. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? I'm gonna stop right there because I love how Jesus handles sometimes when these teachers and these Pharisees try to test them. What does he do? He doesn't just give the answers, right? But he actually turns it back on them and then asks another question. Sometimes I think in relationships that we have with people that we might not agree with, we like to talk a lot more than we listen. We like to give solutions to problems and we like to say, say what we think and not allow them to say, hey, this is what I think. And we sit there and listen. So in relationships, a great thing to do and the thing to learn and how to be a neighbor is to ask good questions and ask them, hey, what do you think this says? And so let's move on. Verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus then says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So you know, he's doing pretty good so far, right? The teacher in the law, is, is, he's answered the question right. And Jesus is saying, okay, okay, like, good job. You know, he answered the question right. You know, do this thing and you will live. Love God and love your neighbor. But then he goes a little too far in a sense, all right? And he, go to verse 29. He wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And the title of the message today is, who is my neighbor? neighbor. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side, the priest and the Levite, they see this man that's half dead on the side of the road, beaten up, probably bloodied, and he's been attacked by these robbers. And, and you gotta think, right? When you're reading this passage, you're thinking, okay, who is gonna be the person that's gonna help in this story? You see the priest, right? Which the priest in their day would essentially be the pastor, okay? So this is like me seeing a guy half dead on the side of the road and then just being like, nah, I don't think so, I'm gonna go. But you would think the man of God would be the one that would step in and try to help in this situation and, and do something about what's been going on to this man and and take pity on him and have some compassion, have the love of God within him enough to do something about it. And then it says a Levite, which would be basically a worship leader. So now Pastor Tim over here is also passing the guy up on the side of the road. And you would think that at least between one of us that somebody would have done something. I mean, come on, these are the church leaders of the day. We gotta do something to help this guy. But you know, probably the same feeling. You know what it feels like uh, when you have a friend that you think is a really solid friend, but then when you're in need, when you really are struggling, you really need something, uh, they're just not there. You know what I'm talking about? You've ever had that happen to you before? I think it's a really tough feeling. I think all of us can look back and think, uh, say, hey, I've had that before. You know, you might be friends with this person. You. See him around the neighborhood, you might see him at work, you might see him at school. You might actually have him over to the house and, and you might see him at church and go out to eat afterwards and, and have great conversations, all this stuff. But then when you really, really need something, like when you need to move, right? No amount of pizza is gonna get that person there, okay? I'm just gonna be honest. Like no amount of pizza and drinks, whatever it is you have, you can, give them, you can Venmo them 10 bucks, they still ain't gonna be there, right? And it's difficult sometimes when you find out that people care more about themselves than they care about you. It's a hard thing for us to come to terms with. But I think we also have to look within ourselves Maybe has somebody ever asked you to help them move before, all right? And have you done the same thing? Because I'm gonna be real, I have definitely done that to somebody in my lifetime, okay? It's like, oh man, like I got something going on, right? But here's the question I have for you. Have you ever inconvenienced yourself to help someone else? Have you ever inconvenienced yourself in your own life to do something for somebody else that can give you nothing in return? And we all like to think that we would jump in and be the person that's gonna help others in their time of need. But most of the time, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're too busy carrying on with our own lives and the own, our own things that we have going on to stop and take time for somebody else. What did the priest and the Levite have? They had a bunch of excuses they had excuses for why they didn't want to help this person. Actually, if you look back into scripture, you know a little bit about Jewish history, you would know that if they actually helped this man that was on the side of the road, the priest and the Levite would have been known as ceremonially unclean. If they would have helped this person, it, it, he was bloodied probably. And so if they would have got the blood on them, it would have been a bad thing for them. And they would not have been able to complete some of their priestly and, and kind of worship leading duties, caring for the people, the godly things that they had to get done. And so they, they had it excuse saying, I'll be unclean, but so I have important godly duties, things that I need to do in my tie and my suit here today, right? I have very important things. I'm a very important person, and so uh, I can't take time for this person because I'm going to do the will of God, right? How many of us have excuses? We can always find a reason why not To help somebody. What are the reasons that we give? I'm busy with the kids. That's a very common one. I understand. We got kids. It's difficult sometimes. You know, I I have work and and I'm just tired. I've been going through a lot recently. and, and, And the biggest one I think is somebody says, hey, I really got this problem. And it's tough to take time for them because you feel like, well, I have my own problems I'm dealing with. I got my own things that are going on in my life. How can I take the time to help somebody else? How can I even be a help to you when I'm dealing with some of my own stuff in my life? And when you read this story, and we'll get to this part about the Good Samaritan in a second, we like to identify as the Good Samaritan usually, right? If you've ever read this story before, you know it's coming and usually we'll identify with the person who does stop to help. But I want us to take a second and think about the fact that more often than not, we are actually the priest and we are actually the Levite. More often than not, you and I in our own selfish nature would probably walk by if there was somebody actually dying on the side of the road, okay? It, it, it's, it's an example, it's a parable, it's a story, okay? So if there was actually somebody dying on the side of the road, I would hope that most of us would jump in. But the idea behind it is, is, hey, when somebody's going through something, are you going to stop and take time to help them? And and why is that, though? Why do we identify with the the Good Samaritan and not the priest and the Levite, which is kind of what we more often do? It's because we usually think that we're better than we are, right? We all think that we're a great person, okay? Here's a stat for you. Most people think that they're better than most people. Most people think they're better than most people. Think about that for a second. The math doesn't add up, right? Because there's 50% on one side and 50% on another side, you know, there's kind of like the little in between, all right, but, but most people can't statistically be better than most people uh just like the dallas cowboys okay what for the last 25 years right we have done absolute squat all right we haven't won a championship we haven't done anything okay we are terrible and this year's a little bit different but hold on but for the last 25 years we ain't done nothing okay but listen what do we always say every single year what does a cowboys fan say we're going to the super bowl this is our year this is the team, this is the one that's gonna make it. This is the one that's gonna do it. And what do we do? We go eight and eight every year, eight and eight, eight and eight. Finally, we got a little bit of a team together. I'm believing that this is the year for us. Come on, Cowboys fans, give me an amen. This is the year for us. Dak is healthy, he's ready to go, come on. Uh, but I really do think that that's, that's the kind of mentality we have. Our team is obviously better than that team. Well, it's really, what have you actually done? You know, like Not that much, okay? Um, so let's move on in this story here in verse 33. But a Samaritan, here comes the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. What a nice guy. Which of these three... Do you think, this is Jesus talking, was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Wow, what a great story, right? He asked another great question. Which person here out of this story do you think was the neighbor to the guy that was in need? It wasn't the priest, it wasn't the Levite, it wasn't the church member, right? It was the random stranger on the side of the road that technically should have hated the guy that was down there. There's a lot of history between these people groups. They did not really like each other, okay? But yet he was the one that stopped and to take care of him. So who was the neighbor? The one who inconvenienced himself for the sake of another. The one who put aside pride, busyness, selfishness, all of the things that naturally are within us to love another person like Christ would. Okay, so what we're gonna do today is I'm gonna give you five principles that are gonna help you love your neighbor better. So if you wanna take notes, hey, how do I love my neighbor? And I'm gonna give you five practical things that you can do to love your neighbor better in this season of life that you're in right now. And the first one is very important. Everything kind of hinges on this. Um, I'll say it and then I'll explain it. The first one is, they are not a mission to accomplish, but a relationship to cultivate. They are not a mission to accomplish, but a relationship to cultivate. Now, when we sit here in the four walls of the church, it's easy to think, okay, well, let's go be neighbors in our community. Let's go help people find Jesus. Let's go reach people and tell them about the good news of Jesus. And, and so what we do is we go out and, and we kind of think of like, oh, this person is, is bad, all right? They're a bad person and they need Jesus, okay? And so you kind of start thinking of them as like this mission that you're gonna accomplish, like 007 style. Like you're just gonna like, you know, like zip line in or something like that. And then bam, like here's Jesus. And they accept God and they start coming to church and you're like, oh man, Great mission, guys. Let's go on to the next one. But that's not what Jesus calls us to do. What what does he do? He cultivates relationships with people. It's not a mission of just trying to get them to accept Christ. It's a mission of, hey, I am going to represent Christ to you and we're gonna have a friendship and a relationship every single day of our lives. And everything else I tell you, the the last four hinge on us understanding that principle right there. It's easy as a church planner, right? We started this church just over a year ago and it would be very easy for me to come in into this neighborhood and, and say, hey, you know what? Like, we're gonna reach this neighborhood for Christ. The whole city's gonna be saved. And we kind of think of it as this mission. And, and we're just, we're trying to do all these things instead of trying to be a friend to the people around us and let people see Jesus within us. The second thing, and this is a very practical thing, share your life, share your life with people that are around you, okay? Let me tell you, if you have neighbors all around you that you don't know, let me tell you the easiest way to get them to your house, all right? You start grilling some burgers and some hot dogs and everybody starts smelling that all around the neighborhood. You know there's a big game on or whatever it might be, whatever you care about, whatever your neighbors care about. But let me tell you, uh, around here anyway, at least for me and my fam, uh, if I put on a good football game and I start grilling out, we get some people over, we have a good time, people will smell it from miles around and they will come to hang out, okay? You got free food? Absolutely, I will be there you got direct TV or whatever you got, you got the game on, I will be there, okay? Easiest way to get to know people is just invite them over to the house for dinner. Invite them over to watch a show, whatever it might be for you. Uh, maybe if you see somebody struggling, you know, my neighbor the other day was, was having trouble uh, um, with a refrigerator. And so I saw him, he needed help with their fridge and they said, hey, would you mind coming to help out? I was like, absolutely, man. And so I came outside and moved the fridge in and that's just a little neighborly thing that you can do to help somebody around. But share your life with people, hang out with them outside of church, even here right now. If you don't know some people here, invite somebody to go to lunch after church. That is a practical, easy way that you can be a neighbor to somebody. And then the next thing is share your faith. Share your faith. We get so awkward trying to share our faith outside of the church, right? We'll talk about faith in here and it's real easy. Man, like God is great. He's just done so many awesome things in my life and, and I'm just so excited for you know, what he's doing and my family and my kids and everything. And man, I just worship was awesome. I love worshiping. I love you know reading my Bible and all this stuff. We talk about these things here and we, we go over this stuff with each other, but then we get out and we start talking to somebody that we know doesn't believe the same things as us and we're just like, uh, mm, yeah. I. Jesus stuff, okay. And you're just like super weird about it, super awkward about it. Yeah, I, we were actually talking yesterday. Michelle was there with me. We were at Hoot Nanny on the Hill, okay? And uh, we went to this event and we had these cards that we were passing out to everybody and we had this little fun spinner that people could spin and win some candy or win a Chick-fil-A gift card or something like that. Uh, And we were just joking around that every single person that comes up to the booth, they spin and we're just going to awkwardly be like, have you heard of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You know, it's like, that's not the way to do it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's awkward. That's weird. Okay. What do you want to do? You wanna go back to number two, you just wanna share your life with them first, right? Get out into the community and have some fun. Have a little spinner, okay? And then talk to the parents, talk to the kids. Have, I was out there throwing football around with some of the boys. You know, there's about five or six of them and I was, I was, my arm's hurting. Me and Courage were out there throwing that ball for a while, okay? Uh, and that's why I'm a little burned today because I was outside sharing my life with these people. And what does that open up the door for you to do? It opens up the door literally and figuratively to share your faith with that person because now you have a relationship with them. And so talk about your faith. Don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, yeah, I believe in God. He's done some amazing things in my life. And yeah, we go to radical church, rep the church. Come on now, we got some, hey, I want to tell you, we got some yard signs out here too. Uh, It says, hey, neighbor, come on, like that. Why not you join me at Radical Church this Sunday, Negley Elementary, 10 a.m. So if you want to rep Radical Church, that's an easy way that you can uh, rep your church and to not be ashamed of Jesus in your neighborhood and invite your neighbors to church. So you can grab a yard sign on the way. I think we've got about 20 left. So make sure you grab one, okay? Uh, so share your faith with people. Don't be afraid. Number four, this is my favorite one, okay? This is my all-time favorite thing right here. Go old school, Go old school, okay? Now, some of y'all are like, what does this mean, okay? Like, what does old school mean? Technology has changed so much about how we do our lives. Everything that we do in our lives can be automated or it can be done from the comfort of your own home. You no longer have to go into the grocery store anymore to get your groceries. You can do H-E-B curbside pickup, and come on, don't get me wrong, I love some H-E-B curbside pickup every once in a while. It's great, Lindsay loves that stuff. She just orders it right on her phone, goes in and just picks it up. They put it in the trunk for you and then you're off on your way. You can even get your groceries delivered. You can get your food delivered. You know, everything is on social media. So we don't even really call each other anymore, right? A lot of young people, they're like, why are you calling me? Like, what, what, what are you doing? There was actually a TikTok the other day I saw where they were trying to say, hey, how, do you, how would you like hold a phone, you know, with your hand? Like if you were using your hand to like make it look like you were holding a phone, what would you do? And like these eight-year-old kids were going like, like this because all they know is iPhones. They don't even know what this is. They don't even know how to do this because all they have are iPhones. They're like, yeah, I mean, I would do this right here. It's like, oh my goodness. They don't even know how to call people because they just text. It's all on social media. Go old school and get out and go see somebody face to face and have a conversation in person with somebody, all right? And listen, go into the grocery store every once in a while. I can't tell you how many times I've had a great conversation with somebody because I decided to go into the grocery store instead of doing a curbside pickup or having groceries delivered. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying, hey, listen, how are we going to be able to reach the world if we are not in the world with them? how are you going to be able to have a conversation with somebody if you don't even put yourself in the position, literally putting yourself in the position to have a conversation with somebody, to let God move through what you're doing? Uh, There's another thing that I learned. uh, And, you know, as a church planner, I try to meet as many people as possible. I'm always trying to get out in the community, meet as many people. And I think that's a great practice, not just for me as a leader of a church, but for any Christ follower, get out and meet some people. But one thing that I do, not all the time, but I like to do this every once in a while is I will go in the store and pay for my gas. And I don't have to pay at the pump. I will go in and talk to the clerk that's standing at the, talk to the cashier. Maybe there's somebody in there. I'll be wearing a Radical Church shirt and I go into the convenience store and, and I've had this happen at, at HEB. I've had this happen at Target. I've had it happen at the convenience stores when I go in and pay for gas and they'll say, oh, Radical Church, you know, where is that? And I'm like, oh, well, it's, you know, at Negley Elementary and you should come sometime, it's a lot of great people and we love God, we love people, we'd love to have you sometime. And, and, and there's been great conversations that have come out of me just going into a store and allowing God the opportunity to do something in a relationship. So uh, go out into the world and go old school, get off your phone, go have a conversation with somebody, call somebody on the phone, see how they are doing. And the last one is number five, cross the street. Cross the street. Now this is uh, metaphorical, in one sense, but it's also literal in another sense. Literally in the sense, actually just go across the street. You have neighbors, right? You might live in a neighborhood. Get out of your house and go across the street and talk to somebody that's getting their mail. Make it awkward for a second, but how else do you make a friend, okay? They're like, I'm just trying to get my mail and go inside, but you know what? You go up to them and say, hey, how are you doing today? Like, I've met before. My name's Trevor. My name's Mark. My name's Michelle, whatever it might be, okay? And, and have that conversation, strike that up so then the next time you see them, now you have a little bit of commonality. Maybe you can invite them over to that game, that, that barbecue that you're having at the house. You know what it might be? And so- cross the street literally, but then also cross the street in another sense and talk to somebody that maybe you wouldn't talk to normally. Talk to somebody that maybe looks a little bit different than you, right? We have been so divided over this last year and a half. It is insane how divided we are. And it feels like in the world we live in, that you have to either take this side of this issue and this side of this uh, problem, or you have to take this side. And if you don't take this side, then now we're at war and at odds with one another. And listen, what would happen if a bunch of Christ followers, a bunch of people that love Jesus said, you know what? I'm not going to take sides against anybody, but I'm going to walk out into the middle. Even Christ followers who might be on the other sides of these things, I'm going to walk out in the middle, wave the white flag and bring a handshake to the middle and see what God will do. Amen. Come on. Can you give God praise for that? Because i I really feel like that's so important. Let's offer a handshake to people that maybe don't think like us, maybe don't look like us, I'm telling you, man, if there's a guy that's on your street and you're white and he's black, go talk to him. If you're Mexican, he's Asian, go talk to him. Listen, it does not matter. Okay. Like literally get out and talk to people. If you see a guy with the Trump flag, you see a lady that has a Biden sign. I don't care. Listen, Jesus does not see those things. He sees the heart and he sees these people as his sons and his daughters. And we need to treat these people with love. And we need to get out and go talk to people. I don't care what you think about anything. I'm going to love you the way that Jesus would, want you to be loved, all right? And that's how I'm gonna live my life, amen? (laughs) Offer that handshake, cross the street, get out, talk to somebody that maybe doesn't think the same way as you. So he's asking this question, who is my neighbor? If I can have Sadie go ahead and come on up, wherever she's at. Who is my neighbor? The question he's really asking, this teacher of the law, is who am I supposed to love? When you really think about it, He's still testing Jesus in a sense. I mean, maybe he had some level of sincerity in the question, well, who is my neighbor? You know, But I really think he was saying more like, all right, well, who's my neighbor though? Like, who do I really need to love? And at what level do I need to care about them and love them? How much do I need to love them? Because I can't love everybody the same, right? There's no way that's, it's not possible, right? But Jesus was flipping everything upside down. Who is my neighbor? Who am I supposed to love? I wanna tell you a quick story that I heard a few days ago. And it's about a pastor that uh, lived in Philadelphia and he was invited to come speak at a pastor's conference in Hawaii, praise God, right? I'm sure the Philadelphia pastor was very excited to get out in that weather and have a good time, all right? And so uh, he gets into Hawaii and he's gonna speak at the conference the next day. And he goes into a diner at about 2, 3 a.m., very, very late, and he wants to just go get a donut, get a pancake, whatever it might be. He goes into the diner and sits down and then just a few minutes later, as he's getting his food, maybe getting some coffee, whatever, some ladies walk in, a bunch of them, as a matter of fact. And, and it was quickly very, very obvious that these were not necessarily normal women and, and they were definitely ladies of the night. Uh, there's not a better way to put it other than honestly, they were prostitutes, okay? I mean, they were coming back from wherever they were at that night and they were going over, taking their cash and all that stuff and divvying it up, all these different things. And he's like, well, I'm, speaking at a pastor's conference tomorrow, and I'm in this diner at 2, 3 a.m. with all these ladies, okay? This is probably not a good look for me to be here right now, okay? So, you know, he's trying to live above reproach, and you know, that's a good thing to do. So he starts to kind of get up, and he's, but then two ladies just sat behind him, and they started talking to one another, and he couldn't help but sit back down and listen to what they were talking about, and they started talking and he found out the one that was sitting directly behind him, her name was Agnes, okay? He found out her name's Agnes. And she's talking to the other girl and she says, hey, I, you know, I wanna tell you something It's kind of cool. Like, it's my birthday tomorrow. And the one that's sitting across from her says back to her, well, who cares? Like, what do you want me to do, get you a cake? Like, why are you telling me that? And she's, Agnes says, well, I don't, I don't know. She thought it was kind of cool. It's, it's my birthday tomorrow. And, you know, I don't know. I've never had a birthday party before. So that's... It's my birthday. I just want to tell you, okay. And the pastor that's sitting kind of eavesdropping on this conversation is immediately taken back. This woman who had sat down behind him is probably anywhere from 30 to 35 years old, has never had a birthday party in her entire life. And is now out on the streets selling her body to make money. And it really affected him down to the core of who he was. And so um, the ladies get up they ended up leaving and the pastor stayed there as long as he could until they were all gone. And he goes up to the manager and says, hey, are, are these ladies, do they come here every single night? I mean, is this a thing that they do all the time or is it just like a one-time thing? He said, no, no, they are here every single night like clockwork around 2.33 and They'll be here tomorrow night. And he said, hey, listen, I wanna do something. I wanna throw a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow. Can we pull that off? And the manager says, absolutely, let's do it. Sounds great. And so he ended up talking to Uh, the manager reaches out to the other girl that was sitting across from Magnus and says, hey, you gotta bring her a little bit later. The pastor the next day goes and speaks at the pastor's conference, talks to all these men of God, the priests and the Levites, right? And then after he's done preaching, he goes out and buys as many decorations as he can, streamers and, and, and all this fun stuff to put all over the diner. And then he buys a birthday cake, puts her name on it and then brings it to the diner. And all the women got there at the same time they normally did. And of course, Agnes and her friend weren't there yet. She finally walks in and and what happens? They all say, surprise, happy birthday, Agnes. And she's just immediately shocked and just overwhelmed with emotion. A woman who's never had a birthday party before. We don't know why she's never had a birthday party before, but you gotta kind of picture it for a second. Maybe she grew up in a household that, didn't really value her. Maybe her parents were divorced. Maybe your parents had issues. And of course, for a child to never have had a birthday party, you know there's something going on there, right? Even as she's gotten older, she's gotten to the place now where she's selling her body on the streets, living off of tips from people that are doing terrible things to her. You don't know how she's gotten to the place where she's gotten that she is right now, but we know that she's never had anything like this presented to her before. She's overwhelmed with emotion and she says, hey, do you mind if I take this cake? I wanna go show it to somebody. I've never had a birthday cake before. I just wanna go show it to somebody. And so she walks out. And takes the birthday cake and we don't know where the pastor doesn't know even really where she went who she was going to show it to but you got to think maybe she was going to show it to a friend or or show it to somebody that she cared about maybe she had kids I don't know she was going to take it to share with her kids we don't know because Agnes actually never came back she never came back and it got to the point where it was a little awkward and all the women were there like this is a birthday party for Agnes and she's not there anymore like what's going on and So the pastor stood up and said, hey, I just want to say thank you all for doing that for Agnes. And you know, I don't know where she's at, but I just want to let y'all know uh, that God loves you so much and he cares for you guys. And and he presented the gospel to them for the very first time. It's an amazing story. All the women left and he never saw Agnes ever again. And so after they'd done cleaning up, the manager says, well, you know, what do you do? Why are you here? Like, Why'd you throw this party? And he said, well, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm here speaking at a pastor's conference. It was a little bit earlier today. He said, a pastor? Hanging out in a diner at 3 a.m. with all the prostitutes? Come on, no, you're not a pastor. He's like, I am, I really am a pastor. He said, well, what kind of church are you? I've never heard of a church doing anything like this before. And and he said, he stopped for a moment and the words came out of his mouth. And he said, he'd never forget it. He said, we're a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Who is your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? It's the young man behind the counter at Target. It's the mom that you don't necessarily get along with at the PTA meetings. It's the guy playing basketball at the community court. It's the girl in your history class. It's the Democrat, the Republican, the white, the black, the Mexican, the Asian, the gay, the straight, the one you agree with, the one that gets on your nerves, the people who live on your street. It's the man who was attacked and was left for dead on the side of the road. And it's the prostitute named Agnes at 3.30 in the morning in a Hawaiian diner. That is your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Everyone you come in contact with. And how should you love them? With everything that you have. Because Jesus loved you and loved me with everything that he had, amen. Would you stand in this place today? My prayer for you and for me in this church is that we would be that kind of church. We would throw parties for people that can't do anything for us. That woman had nothing to give him, had nothing to offer him in return, but he gave her the love of Jesus in the best way that he could. And our prayer, my prayer, is God help me to see these people I come in contact with every day like you do. Help me to see them through your eyes, not through the eyes of the world because the world would have judged that woman, right? The world would have said, well, this is a woman of the night. This is a woman who is, is by the world standards morally bad, right? But this pastor didn't see that because he was looking at her through the lens of Christ. Help me to see them like you do and God help us if we ever lose sight of that love. God help us. Love God and love your neighbor. What does Jesus say about that? That all of the law and the prophets, everything that has been ever written in the Old Testament that you read, Jesus says all of that hinges on those two things. You gotta love God and love your neighbor and everything hangs on those two things. So I want us to pray and I want us to learn how to love our neighbors like Jesus this month as we go through this series together. And I wanna see what he's gonna do in their life and I wanna see what he's gonna do in your life because of it. Everybody bow your heads. I just wanna give an opportunity today for somebody that's in here that says, you know what? I I feel like that person maybe that was in the diner. I feel like somebody that is far from God and I don't know anything about the Lord and I need to give my life to him today. I, I believe that Jesus was real. He died on the cross for my sins. Let me tell you, we're all sinners in this place. Nobody is better than anybody else. We just know of the love and the hope that is in Jesus. We sang about him earlier, he is our living hope because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine, but he was raised again on the third day. And we believe he is alive and he is the only hope of the world. And so what I wanna do is I wanna ask if there's anybody in here that wants to rededicate their life to Jesus or give their life to him for the first time, would you just raise your hand and look up at me right now? Raise your hand and look about me right now and say, hey, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Amen, amen, come on. Amen. I'm gonna pray for each and every one of you today that we would learn to love our neighbors just like Jesus, all right? And I know that this message has affected so many of you. I can just kind of see it on your faces. Man, let God work on you. Let him convict you today. Father, right now, we worship you. We thank you that you are the God that sees the Agneses of the world. And you don't see them in the way that the world sees them, but you look straight to the core of who she is and you see the pain, you see the struggle, you see the heartbreak, the things that she's been through where she's never even had a birthday party before. And God, I pray that you would give us the same kind of love to throw that party, to be a neighbor to people across the street from us to share our life with others and to share our faith with people around us, to cross the streets, literally in our neighborhoods, but also talking, talking to people that maybe we normally wouldn't get along with, being a neighbor to those that disagree with us on things that are honestly important to us. But Jesus, we know that you hang out with the sinners. We know that you hung out with the people that the world rejected. And so God, I pray that you would help us to be a neighbor to our community, to love those around us well, everyone we come in contact with. We thank you for your love for us and for anybody that's rededicating their life to you today or giving their life to you for the first time. Father, we know that there's a party going on in heaven today for them. And we worship you and we praise you and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Can you give God praise in the house today? Come on. I hope you enjoyed Won't You Be My Neighbor part one. What I want to encourage you to do before you leave, all right, is take that fall festival card and that Won't You Be My Neighbor card. And I want you to give it to a neighbor in your neighborhood. I want you to give it to somebody that you want to invite to church. Uh, send him a video of me looking stupid in this red sweater. Tell him, hey, he's doing Mr. Rogers. Will you come with me? Come on. Uh, and so make sure you do that this week. Sign up to volunteer at Fall Festival as well. We want to make sure we have as many people helping out as we can. So it's a great event. And then uh, fill out the connect cards, put it in the back, offerings in the back. And also last thing, uh, make sure that you grab a yard sign if you want to rep Radical Church in your neighborhood. Be a good neighbor to people this week. We love you. God bless.